Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He's your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandro Lukatic. And today we're talking 1991's The Perfect Weapon. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you have already seen the movie. All right, buddy. Um, had you heard of this before? No. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I only stumbled upon it in a video store. Like the, the VHS case was on the, the shelf. And I'm like, oh, action movie I'm in. I was a kid, right? It was 91. Um, and I remember watching the shit out of this movie as a kid. But I haven't seen it in a very long time. And I wanted to go back to it because I remember being confused as to why Jeff Speakman never became a big action star. And now I know. Who? Exactly. Oh, martial arts dad. Okay. Yes. Although I think I think he, <laughs> he would have done... A, I know this is going to get a lot of hate. I could, I could easily see him... In the first X-Men movie as Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I don't see that you would get hate for that. Um, oh, Hugh Jackman fanboys out there. Jesus. I, I think if I was to put him anywhere, it would be maybe in the Terminator franchise, where the robots are supposed to look a little bit more unassuming in some situations. Yes, there's Ooh, Arnold, but like you look at Robert Patrick, he doesn't look like an action star. He doesn't look like a human. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, they got that part right, but you know what I mean, right? Like, it's supposed to be a little bit more unassuming, and yeah. he definitely has the martial arts talent. He just doesn't have like a like a action <laughs> star look, right? Like he he really does look like Kung Fu Dad. Yeah, he doesn't have a presence, which is and, a, you know what a major Make that problem. a sitcom. Kung Fu Dad. There you go. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to watch Kung Fu Dad. <laughs> oh, no, nobody would watch it. It'd be canceled after one season, but it would be a good casting. <laughs> I would watch Kenpo Dad. Okay, fine, Kenpo Dad. You, just when you make a when you make a, a sitcom, you gotta you gotta use terms that the masses are a little bit more familiar with, right? That makes sense. And yeah, not not many people know Kenpo Karate. Um, and I think this is the only movie, at least the only one I'm aware of, that features it heavily, and it looks fucking awesome. But you go into this not knowing anything, correct? Uh, I mean, that's kind of rude. About the movie. Oh, yeah. Correct. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, um, I'd never even heard of this movie before. Oh, that makes me super excited because there, there is a lot to talk about here. But I imagine as you're watching it, you're like, holy shit, it's that guy. Oh, my God, he's in this. It, it, that's, a, that's a great segue. Oh, yeah. I'm going to fuck this one up real bad, man. But go uh, for it. I got to be honest with you, dude. This was one of those commando situations. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where I was getting so high with the number of names that I just said, forget it, and stuck with five. Because I did not want to keep writing down this minor actor played this minor role. There are so many of them. I know there are. So you might as well do a couple, but... I don't even think we'll get all of them, and I don't have all of them. I, I can name a couple, maybe, 
but I can't tell you everything they've been in that we covered because I know they've been in multiple. Sure. Go ahead. What you got? Uh, Carrie Tagawa mm-hmm. was the villain in Showdown in Little Tokyo. Correct. Which also came out this year. What a, a banger year for him. Uh, Professor Toru Tanaka. Okay. Uh, was Sub Zero in uh, in uh, The Running Man, I believe. Now, Plane Zero. Oh, that was really bad. It was such a bad line. <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we must have covered James Hong in something, right? Mm hmm. Not that long ago, really. Shit. What was he in? What did we cover him in? Are you actually asking, or is that you're thinking out loud? No, I, I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, Tango and Cash. Fuck! That's right. He was great in that. I feel bad I forgot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, for me, that's pretty much it. All right, cool. Well, uh, not that it's a major one, but Kerry Tagawa was also in Vampires. Oh, shit. That's right. He was. Uh, you did get... Um, Professor Toru Tanaka and Running Man, but you missed him in Last Action Hero. He was in Last Action Hero? Yeah, he was one of the just generic thugs. Oh, with like Al Leong and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Speaking of which, Al Leong was in this. Al Leong was in this? I totally he, missed him. Yeah, he... And I didn't even write that one down because this must have been like an early nothing movie for him. Uh, he's listed as Man in Crockpit Bar uncredited. Oh, there are a lot of people in that scene. Well, and that's why I didn't even write that one down. But yes, that that was the case. Um, John Koyama was a Hong Kong military officer in Spawn. I only wrote that because it was so recent that we okay. did Spawn. All right. And uh, Roger Yuan... Sure. I, I shouldn't be able to, to <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't try to pronounce these. Uh, he was a, a kickboxer in uh, sh- uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo and a, again, a Korean soldier in Spawn. And again, the only reason I wrote that down was because Spawn was so recent. But honestly, there must have been three or four other names easily where I was just like, I give up. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. I get you. Um, you. You brought up uh, Terminator earlier. Yes. Um, the writer of this movie also, well, he's uncredited, but he did one of the early drafts for Terminator Salvation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I thought interesting. I, I kind of want to know the Genesis, no pun intended of that, that movie, but, uh, yeah, there's a interesting, interesting crew of people in this. Um, I, I, I shouldn't be surprised because of the time and the genre, but, uh, it's nice to see some familiar faces in this movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's uh, let's just jump right in mm-hmm. to a title card. It's a fine way to start an action movie. But we mm-hmm. open Jeff Sanders, played by Jeff Speakman. I'm assuming they use the same names because I don't think he's the smartest guy in the world. That happens so often in action movies. Oh, yeah. Like, too often. You well, can't think more than they have to. I think it's also partially just like, we don't care. Like, his first name is completely irrelevant to us. And he's this is the least construction worker-looking construction worker I have ever seen. 
He's, this he, should have started with him at a PTA meeting. Yeah, definitely. Like it's his clothes are not dirty whatsoever. He doesn't look like he's been working at all. And he's like, it's quitting time. But one thing that really stood out to me here at this construction site is one of the guys in the background. Uh, I'm not sure what everybody here is digging, but this one guy has no idea what digging is. Because <laughs> he's scooping up maybe a third, not even a third, a quarter of a shovel's worth of dirt and throwing it six inches to the side. I can honestly say I did not pay attention for this digging guy. Oh, I, I couldn't help. I, movies like this, I have to look at the background because you know people are fucking up left and right. <laughs> uh, but then we're treated to probably the best opening song ever, which is Power by Snap. Like Euro dance rap group Snap. Nobody knows what I'm talking about when I just say the name of the song and the artist. But if you heard it, everybody knows this fucking song. Yeah, I, I don't have such high praise for this song. I Well, it's not a great song. It's a great <laughs> song for an action movie. Uh, we get our Kenpo Karate montage, which, to me anyway, seems to be timed to the music. Dumb? Yeah. Yes. Of course. Uh, <laughs> yes, awesome? absolutely. <laughs> awesome, though? Fuck no! Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's so good. He's so good. And Speakman in like just his black sweatpants doing this looks like a million bucks. And mm -hmm. this really should have been a, a launching pad for him to become an action star. He looks like one of those uh, images you would see in a movie where somebody poorly crops their head on a better physique. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, do you find it weird that his his like after his routine, his cool down method is to put on a bathrobe? <laughs> I mean, you got to put something on. I guess. <laughs> like, all of my expectations for this movie have already gone out the window. Okay, perfect. Let me know. Like, did this catch you off guard? Or are you like, yeah, this is just a generic shit movie? Because I thought it was awesome. It's the perfect intro to let you know exactly what you are in for. <laughs> like, yeah. If there was any doubt in your mind what kind of movie this is, it's gone. Oh, yeah. You know <laughs> what you're getting into. And that's great. At this point, uh, I was like, okay, brain, you're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Kim's antiques. Uh, Kim Kwan, played by... I always say Mako, but I've heard people call him Mako. Oh, I'm uh, not the right guy to correct pronunciation. I like, I'm going with Mako, and this guy is amazing in everything he does. Uh, but here, he's being muscled into allowing a local gang to use his shop to store their drugs. <laughs> This might be the least intimidating looking guy you could have sent from your clan. Any of them. <laughs> None of them are intimidating whatsoever. Uh, Kim, of course, refuses and receives a call from Jeff, who is concerned about what he hears on the other end of the line. This doesn't seem like the kind of phone call that's placed fairly regularly. No. <laughs> I didn't no. get that impression at all. Nope. Uh, I do love how the gang member tells Kim he has no choice in the matter, and then everyone just leaves. Yeah, he's got to think about what he did. Yeah. Well, it's time for a flashback. Jeff's father, Police Captain Carl Sanders, played by Bo Starr, has a conversation with Kim about the problematic teenage Jeff. Kim's suggestion is to enroll Jeff in Kempo Karate to teach him self-discipline instead of standard discipline, 
So off we go to Master Lowe's Kenpo School. I mean, at least they didn't start the movie with the background, I guess. (laughs) What do you think of the pass it down scene? It's a line of kids throwing chest strikes to the person to their right. Um, weird. Really weird, right? I guess. I, I don't know how martial arts classes are taught. Uh, I've, I've been to a few. Not like this. Okay. Well, there you go. But uh, yeah, Jeff gets cracked right in the chest by Jennifer. And Master Lowe makes her help him up. <laughs> okay. All right. Why is this character in the movie? Which one? Jennifer. <sighs> okay. I was going to get to this later. <laughs> okay. But I also have a massive problem with this. <laughs> Jennifer needs to be a bigger character in this movie. Um, and she was. They deleted a bunch of her scenes. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, the first time I watched this, I came out of it thinking, did I miss something? Did she have a scene that I maybe dozed off for, looked away, got distracted? paid a lot more attention to it the second time and I'm like, no, she's just there to stand and look a few times. Later in the movie, the adult Jennifer is played by Mariska Hargitay. The daughter of Jane Mansfield, who is Hollywood royalty, she is not given a single line of dialogue in this movie. No, she just looks. She looks. And every time she looks... Jeff just walks away. That's their interactions. I don't understand what they were doing with the editing. You did not... Okay, if you're not going to give her any lines in this movie, get her out of the movie. Yeah. Because she doesn't do anything. And I'm going to go back to the top of my notes for one sec here, because there is a quote I found from uh, a New York Times uh, film reviewer who calls this movie a macho fantasy of physical control, grace, and invincibility in which women are all but absent. Accurate. Yeah. Like what what the fuck are we doing here? Like, like it's a it's a 90s action movie and we're not even given like the simple love interest character. Nope. Where is everybody? My uh my wife loves Law and Order SVU. She's so good in that show. So I find like I see a decent amount of it. I don't generally watch like full episodes. It's but I'm like, okay. Here's an actor in this movie I've never heard of that is well-known now that I actually know because I don't know anybody. Maybe she'll have a prominent role. Maybe this whole thing with her picking him up when he gets knocked down early is going to be somehow reflected later on where she helps pick him up. No. No. No, that would make sense. And I don't know what her acting talent was at the time. But judging by today, she is the strongest actor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they give her nothing to work with. I mean, she is, in my opinion, quite attractive in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I, why would you cast such an attractive woman to be there? To be the focal point of some camera shots? And then that's the, it. Well, we know there's more. Well, I know there's more to the character because I know that there were scenes deleted. But... They were um, reinserted in the TV version of the movie, which I have never seen. And 
I didn't know existed. I, I, I really do want to see what they did with that character because I just, I need to know. <laughs> I, 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 need, I need to know why she's here. They did something. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Master Low? Eh, pretty. I like him. Really? I mean, he's all right. He's just kind of stereotypical martial arts teacher. I guess. But he seems caring. Yeah. Um, training montage already. Mm-hmm. Seven and a half minutes in. Um, and it, it's hard to deny that this is part action film, part advertisement for Kempo Karate. And a you know, convincing ad too. It, it looks cool. You know how I feel about this this early in the movie. Yeah, I know. You have to admit though that the uh, the spin kicks revealing different belt progression at every rotation was kind of neat. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, get to the movie. Why are we starting with this stuff? Well, we're still in a flashback. Yeah. Low presents Jeff with a ring when he gets his black belt, and I hate this ring. Especially the little tiger on the inside of it seems like it would be problematic. Yeah. And why does he need a ring? He got the belt. Yeah. Well, we don't have to worry about it. Because we cut to the present so we can cut to the flashback again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeff did pole vaulting in high school. Sure. I completely forgot why this was important. And I sure hope this comes back later in the movie. It's going to have to. <laughs> He and his little brother Adam are confronted by an insult-hurling football player who backhands Adam when he flips in the middle finger. Does he ever? Oh, that's yeah, it's rough. Although I don't know how he hits him in the side of like the mouth and his nose starts bleeding, but whatever. Ah. <laughs> but this is where Jeff enters rage mode and just kicks the shit out of this guy. Destroying and, his football helmet. Yeah, with that final spin kick, breaks the face guard off of it. But I don't know if it's editing. Or just really poor health and safety. These these kicks, these hits look like they connect. It's well, yeah. That's why he wore the helmet. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> don't worry, he's going to pull the punches. Um, don't take the helmet off. Don't improvise. Leave that there. <laughs> just, just trust us on this one. Um, cut to the present, so we can cut back to the past again. I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. We don't need to see him look like he's brooding as he's driving, you know, sitting behind the wheel of his car, just to remind us that this is a flashback. Although it's been going on forever, you could be mistaken that this is, like, the starting point of the movie. Uh, Yeah, Captain Sanders berates Jeff and regrets sending him to Kempo school, claiming his son hasn't changed other than now he's dangerous. Yeah, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. I've asked myself that question repeatedly throughout this movie. And I hate, I fucking hate how they keep bringing Captain Sanders up just briefly here and there, but constantly throughout the movie, keeping that father-son broken relationship just below surface level, but never really like calling it out or doing anything with it. I'm sure it'll come back and the dad will be a vital part of the conclusion of the movie by helping his son for once. Oh, you nailed it, man. That's the <laughs> ending for sure. Definitely not proving me wrong at all. Um, so yeah, Jeff's kicked out of the house to avoid being a bad role model for Adam. Seems a little bit of a jump. Yeah. I <laughs> no, mean, one Je- day you're going to kill someone and I don't want him to see that. Really? You think he's going to kill someone based on this? 
get I, out I gotta... so I can add to your rebel rousing ways. I guess. Sure. Uh, here we get Master Lowe and Jeff and their discussion about how Jeff's uh, only a tiger, not a dragon. He can only react, although the tiger is strong and fearless, he cannot initiate action like the dragon. I don't know about that. About which part? I'm fairly certain uh, tigers can initiate action just fine. Okay. You're taking this very literally. And in doing <laughs> so, that means you believe dragons exist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the dragon is also very strong, Sandro. Uh-huh. But, but full of wisdom. The dragon fears what its strength can do. Uh-huh. I did now, like the follow-up with the different types of uh, fighting tactics, though. Sure. What do you have against this? Oh, dragons are really smart, man. Dude. What? Showing the striking and then showing a backup <laughs> technique. Come on. Are you sure you didn't just turn your brain off and, and like actually go to sleep during the movie? <laughs> And they do a, a, a sad, a sorry attempt at foreshadowing Jeff's journey in the movie. When Master Lo says, I have shown you the dragon, but you have not seen him. You will not find the dragon in any dojo. Experience will be your teacher. I'm like, that's of course a he's not gonna see. A, of course he's not going to see a dragon in any dojo. You just told us they're not real. I told you they're not real. Yeah. Were you expecting to see a fucking dragon <laughs> in the dojo at some point? In this fucking throw it in. That would mix things up perfectly. Throw us for a loop. Because from the very beginning, we know what we're getting. This entire time, we know how everything's going to play out. Anyway, Jeff and Kim have a minor argument before Jeff apologizes and leaves. And luckily for you, Sandro, we're back to the present. Jeff arrives at Kim's shop just as a gang starts to destroy his wares. I don't like that sigh. I don't like that. Where are we going here? <laughs> Jeff's entrance into the shop might be one of the most ridiculous scenes in the movie. It's fucking awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, well, these these hired goons, these thugs, these guys that we're supposed to believe are in and of themselves martial artists, just not as proficient as Jeff. One swings and hits the, uh, what is it, a broomstick? Through the window. No spatial awareness. Luckily, our hero happened to be just outside that window at that exact moment to grab said stick and pull it through the window with the guy intact. Yeah, it's great. Uh, sure. Yeah, Jeff's awesome. Uh, at least the scene has Rufio. Yeah, man. Dante Basco is Jimmy Ho. Also, that one guy in the back wearing that massive brown leather duster. You're not doing shit in that, except looking fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but Jeff pulling that guy through the window, I thought was a great entrance, man. It was, except for the fact that the guy swung it through the window. He was trying to break the window. No, I don't think he was trying to break the window. He was. That was a backswing. He was going to swing forward. He, the whole point of them being there was to break everything. Just watch it back, man. I did. That's a backswing. Yes, to break it. No. Nope. The window's behind him. No, no. Yes. Mm -mm. You have to admit that Jeff's striking is pretty fast here. Well, I mean, I liked him pulling the guy through the window. I just thought the reason that it was through the window was ridiculous. And yes, Jeff is a proficient martial artist. So fucking fast. Faster than any other martial artist I've seen in a movie. 
Um, we learn that these guys are um, members of the Golden Fist, soldiers for Korean Mafia. Hmm. Okay. Build some story. I'm okay with this. Uh, we get a bonding moment between Jeff and Kim as they board up the broken windows. Uh, it, I like how Kim talks about how you know Koreans come to the States looking for the American dream, but just like every ship, ships have rats, I guess. But his reasoning, like, I'm going to go to the mafia tomorrow and explain everything. I'm sure everything will go fine. It'll be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. They are known to be very reasonable people. Yes, obviously. Dangerous to windows, but reasonable. Mm -hmm. Well, ain't dangerous to windows accidentally, but yeah. Oh, come on. We'll (laughs) agree to disagree on this one. Sure. I'm not agreeing to that. I disagree strongly. I'll argue. (laughs) Jimmy Bale saying that he has to go see his Uncle Sam. That night, Kim tells Jeff it's never too late to come home. And I feel like the movie did a terrible job of making him feel like an outsider. Jeff, that is. Because the only person that treats him like an outsider is his father. Everywhere he goes, he he just fits in. He's talking to people. He's not an outsider. He and his dad don't talk. That's it. And what's with Jeff going for a walk after this and stopping for a second outside of the Kempo school to stare at Jennifer until she sees him and he just storms off to the side? I'm sure that will come back again later. No. Kim doesn't get to see the next day to go talk to the mafia because they've sent hitman Tanaka, played by Professor Toru Tanaka, to kill him. Man, these I don't know where they come up with these names. <laughs> Jeff... Tanaka. Um, we're, we're shown Tanaka's brutality early in an earlier scene where he's already fucked up the members of his own gang. For, yeah, uh, the ones that failed. Um, against Jeff. Yeah, which, yeah, okay. That's a, that's a good scene. It shows that these villains are ruthless and don't care if you're one of their own. Yeah, they I like just that. just demand results. And I mean, of course, he's a very imposing figure. So giving him... You know, giving him a couple of these early scenes to kind of show how imposing he is just definitely helps build it up for the inevitable showdown with Jeff. Yeah, this is something that this movie got right, and that is building up Tanaka as a big bad um, Mm -hmm. without being the main villain of the movie. Um, Although I do find him much more menacing. They they did a great job with him here. But Mm -hmm. that raises a question for me, and that is what are your thoughts on his flower gimmick? Uh, I don't know if I like or dislike it. I get it. He has to have a calling card. Maybe it's a little bit more cultural. Yeah. But to me, that always seems kind of silly because, like, you you know, if, if you are worried about, like, I guess the police, then they can rope all of them together because there's the similar calling card. But at the same time, it's also like, well, maybe they're a little bit more imposing because they know that and they just don't even care. Possible, yeah. So, I don't know, I, I'm torn on it. Like, I, as a kid, I thought this was badass. I thought it was awesome. Now, I'm like, this seems rather impractical. Um, I get it. Yeah, like you said, a calling card. But I started thinking about the prep for this. Like, if he got a call out of nowhere to be like, I need you to go take this person out. He's like, well, I got to stop by the house first. I'm all the flowers. Well, what you don't know is that his cover job is working at a flower shop. So, Oh, he's a florist. Interesting. Yeah, I so like he's this. always got that available to him. <laughs> you know, that would actually work in this movie. 
Yeah, he's a smart villain, so he was like, he you is. know what? It would just be more practical if I didn't have to go out and get flowers every time. Jeff returns to Kim's and finds the body. Hearing a car start up outside, he chases it, and the result is exactly what you would expect. Nothing. This is such a bad action scene, mm -hmm. um, because nothing will come from it. Yeah, no. He's not Action Jackson. No, you don't just chase a car on foot. No. At least not expecting the audience to think it's going to actually result in something. Can you imagine he actually caught up to it? <laughs> Everyone would be like, holy shit, where are we going now? Yeah. Although we do get that really quick fight scene between Jeff and the four guys trying to mug him. I mean... <laughs> yeah. These guys are proficient actors. Yeah. Well, these guys have been in, I would say, hundreds of movies. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Do they have lines in those movies? Probably not. Yeah, okay. Detective Adam Sanders, played by John Dye, arrives at the crime scene of Kim's shop. Now, my first thought is, who the fuck is this guy? Completely forgetting that he's Jeff's brother. Uh, good casting choice. You think? Yeah, this definitely looks like Karate Dad's brother. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> uh, you can take it how you want. Okay. Uh, we learn that the drug the mafia are peddling is meth and police have no idea who is running the show which really shouldn't be that difficult to find out no jeff is upstairs being questioned by the police and here the brothers finally see each other for the first time in years i guess i don't know how long jeff's been gone they don't tell us no we don't <laughs> jeff decides the best thing to do is solve kim's murder on his own and goes to a local gym to search for the gang members, in particular the one who had a spider tattoo on his forearm. I, I get the premise of going to the gym to get information on where he can locate the villains. Mm -hmm. Where did he get the information to go to the gym? I don't know. I have no idea. And when he walks up those stairs and enters, the guy working the counter like nods at him and like flicks his head to the side, showing him where to go. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Do they know each know. other? We'll never no. find out. No. I, I can't begin to imagine this scene being written without there being things cut out, like uh, an encounter, like him doing some investigating, finding the gym, talking to the guy running the counter outside and like walking in and being like, are they here? Show me where. And then he directs them towards. I should hope so. I'd like to think that he didn't just see a gym and go, oh, there's a lot of Asian people in there. Well, that's what we're presented with. Like, there's, exactly. there's got to be more to it there has to be <laughs> that's what I said I hope there is uh, luckily somebody there knows the man and Jeff kicks the shit out of him and two other guys because that's what Jeff does um, but I I, I I really do like every fight in this movie and this one's really entertaining we get a decent length to it before it's like lightning quick strikes people drop to the ground. Here we actually get a fight, and this is an action movie, this is why we're here, and they do it very well. But this is also where Jeff gets the info he needs. The tattooed man hangs out at the crock pit. I hate that name. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the next scene where uh, Adam goes into the restaurant? Uh, I love it. It's pretty funny, right? Yeah. It doesn't fit in this movie, but it's pretty funny. No, it made me think, hey, they can do this. I guess they just choose not to. Yeah. 
the owner feigning a language barrier to get money out of him. And then at the end, revealing that he speaks perfect English is fantastic. Yep. Here we get one of uh, several nods to uh, a company that makes me wonder if uh, they paid for product placement. Have you noticed the amount of Hawaiian Tropic ads in this movie? No. They're everywhere. On buildings, billboards. At one point, there's a neon sign they just walk by. It's in a window. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it. I it just. It's because I was looking into the background, like I said, just trying to see any of the extras fuck up, and I'm like, these ads are fucking everywhere. <laughs> but I can't find any reference to it anywhere in any of the research I did. Oh, okay. Cut to Kim's funeral. Jeff's father is in attendance, and the two finally see each other for the first time in what we assume to be years, and. Captain Sanders simply walks away because this story is unimportant. I'm sure it will come back later on. You want to put money on that? (laughs) No, sir. (laughs) Adam shows that he's done some detective work and knows that there was a kid staying at Kim's place. He questions Jeff, but Jeff is more interested in a man staring at him from the back of the room. And this is young played by the amazing James Hong. He's great in everything. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I loved him in that episode of Seinfeld. (laughs) He's just so good. Uh, Jeff also spies Jimmy, who immediately flees the scene upon being spotted. Uh, So Jeff tests out his running skills again and chases Jimmy. But of course, this is the second time we see that Jeff's not good at running. No, he's 0 for 2 now. Yeah. Adam shits on his brother for not telling him the truth and tells him that Kim would still be alive if Jeff hadn't come back to town. And that's fucking harsh. harsh. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't think that's true. Yeah. You, uh, you think that that Korean mafia would have left him alone with the answer of no, if Jeff didn't show up. Yeah. Like Jeff showing up and beating these guys up who flee. And then he leaves. Like they're just going to assume it was Kim that did it. I don't think so. It might have expedited it a little bit. Maybe. But... Well, Jeff smacks him, and Adam pulls his gun, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you I... can understand he pulled his gun. He had flashbacks of football players. I guess, yeah. And of course, nothing happens. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what, what does this character do in the movie? He gets smacked around a few times. <laughs> Anything else? Not really. Oh, oh, yeah. Just wait. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> Uh, Jeff sees Jennifer leave the funeral and does nothing. And again, what is the point of any of this? So we just cut to Jeff arriving at the crock pit, uh, where he is the only white guy there and definitely stands out. But there's an actual crocodile, which I thought was cool. Well, it's not just a name. True. Jeff confronts a patron and is assaulted by a criminally underused Branscombe Richmond, who really should have been in this movie more. That guy's great. And again, Jeff comes out on top by using his machine gun punches while questioning others about who killed Kim. So another fight scene. And as always, I'm not complaining. Now, we've had a few and we're about halfway into the movie. How do you feel about these scenes so far? The best part of the movie. The martial arts in this is spot on. Yeah. Well, I I say spot on. Maybe that's a bad term because I don't know how accurate it is. But it is well done and entertaining. Probably the best I've seen. I would make that argument. But Jeff gets dropped and Tanaka arrives. He's about to deliver a death blow, but is waved off by a shadowy figure who is definitely not young, right? Definitely. 
Definitely not. So Jeff's dragged outside and cut to the next day as Jeff is placing his ceramic dragon on a table back at Kim's funeral. Okay. Young confronts Jeff, telling him how he and Kim have been friends for years and wants to help. He has information, but for some reason won't tell Jeff until they get into his limo. Well, because it's not safe there, he said. Yeah, let's go with that. Were you even paying attention? <laughs> During the drive, Young uh, laments that he couldn't save his friend's life. He wants Kim's death to be avenged, but admits that he is one of four mafia bosses in Koreatown, and if he did anything, it would start a war. Mm-hmm. Thus, Jeff is the only one who can bring about justice. Ah, the mafia boss with the heart of gold. Yeah. I was wondering where this character was. But then we get one later, which I find strange. <laughs> <laughs> what a swerve. Uh, Jeff questions Soldier for Hire Kai, played by Kerry Tagawa, who says mafia boss Sam ordered the hit. I fucking love Kerry Tagawa so much. I'm just disappointed in every movie that he's in now that I don't hear him say, your soul is mine. Fuck that, man. I like He's so much better than that line. I don't care. It's a great line. He, he delivers like it well. Such a badass all the time. When he says it, he's pointing at the camera. Everything. Like, you're the... Ah, so good. You know, if, if Kerry Tagawa showed up at a party I was at one night, I wouldn't be like, holy shit, it's Kerry Tagawa. I'd be like, fuck, someone in this room's getting murdered tonight. <laughs> he's so intimidating. Um, anyway, off we go to the Kokomo Hotel where Sam has the entire top floor to himself. Because he owns it. So he lives there. Armed guards everywhere. Sure. Only way up there, exterior elevator, which doesn't seem practical in case of fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thoughts on Jeff's tactics? To get um, no, not really. The, the dumbest thing you could do. <laughs> the absolute dumbest thing you could do. Climb on top of the elevator and hope it doesn't crush you when you get to the top. He doesn't even try and move when it gets close to like roll onto a nearby roof or hang onto a ledge or something. He just closes his eyes, grits his teeth, and hopes that it doesn't crush him to death. The best part is that the camera like focuses on the top of the elevator from beneath as if it's like his point of view. Yeah. And you're watching as it gets closer. Like, oh, this is gonna be a real threat. No, no. Can you can you imagine <laughs> if it was? End of movie. <laughs> Young is in his like limo outside. He's like, oh, fuck. What am I going to do now? <laughs> uh, problems. So many problems with Jeff's infiltration here. Other than the elevator, it's the worst sleeper choke I've ever seen when he comes through the window and takes out the first guard. Then traps two guards in the elevator by knocking the button off of the wall. Like that's going to do anything. <laughs> then he uses a fire extinguisher as a smoke machine. Uh, that makes sense. You know, no, it doesn't. It's uh, very practical. That's not how they work. The original version of the script was to have the dragon that they cut out of it do the fire or the smoke. Uh, see, that makes sense. Yeah. But like, if this actually did work, if he could get the fire extinguisher to have that effect in the hallway, nobody in that area is breathing. They're just dropping. So Jeff breaks into the living area where Sam is sitting with his family, and he attacks the boss until Jimmy stops him, saying that Sam and Kim were friends. 
And here they state the swerve we all saw coming probably 30 minutes ago. What? What swerve? That Young had Tanaka kill Kim. No. Kai works for Young, Sandro. What? And Young needed an outsider, a crazy stranger, the perfect weapon to take out Sam because he can't risk starting a mob war. Oh. And the final point, Jeff is a fucking idiot because everybody should have figured this out. Everybody seems to know this except for him. Oh. Yeah, right? So Jeff sets out to kill Young, unwillingly bringing Jimmy along. Okay. I got to bring up this one point, too, as they're leaving. <laughs> Did you, I'm assuming you caught this. They're in the uh, hallway getting into the elevator. No. Well, as, maybe. You got to be more specific. You know how my brain works. As they're getting into the elevator, the doors held open because one of the guards that Jeff took out is just pushing the broken button with a pen. He didn't stop the elevator from working. He knocked the button off the wall. All you needed was to push it with a pen and everything still works fine. Nice. Your thoughts up until now? Uh, nope. Yeah. Right? I I, I totally expected that to be your reaction <laughs> because I don't think there's anything else you can say. It's either nope or yeah, I guess. Uh, my contributions on this episode are going to be phenomenal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We get a needless bonding between the two. Jeff takes Jimmy to see Adam. And what do you think of their plan? I think it's a pretty terrible plan. And highly illegal. I say Jeff is good at martial arts. Not good at much else, especially strategy. Yeah. Get the youth to lie to the police. So they'll arrest Tanaka during his daily bank deposit which would leave Young alone in the back of the limo that Tanaka would be driving. Question. Why mm -hmm. do they expect Young to be in the back of the car? I don't know. I guess he runs his chores every day. But this is what I'm thinking. Like, if, if the mentality is, well, Tanaka's the bodyguard and he's with Young all the time, means that he left Young in the car when he went into Kim's place to kill him, which doesn't make sense. So there there is really no reason to believe that young would even be in there but we go to the bank anyway and try and pull off this foolish plan yes cool back and forth between jeff and adam which i actually enjoy because we get this this really common trope in action films um where it's like the average joe and the detective team up do you not like buddy cop movies i can't remember i mean if they're done well i don't, I don't have an issue with the genre have you ever seen the hard way Mm, don't think so. It's, uh, Michael J. Fox and uh, James Woods. Michael J. Fox plays an actor who has to play a cop in his new movie. He's like this acting superstar. Um, so deals worked out where he does ride along with the hardened detective played by James Woods. Only James Woods hates the shit out of him. It, mm. It's a really funny action comedy. Uh, good banter, amazing humor, great action scenes. I highly recommend checking it out. Anyway. Sounds phenomenal. The limo arrives, and dumbass Jimmy blows their cover when he identifies the bodyguard. Uh, I, I have to ask what your thoughts are on the method Jimmy uses to identify what, just two holes punched into the newspaper to look through? Yeah. Not conspicuous at all? No. Uh, I uh, loved it! Oh, uh, God. Tanaka, the look on Tanaka's face, he's like, oh, fuck. 
Because like, of course, of course, that's going to be his reaction. It's like, there's no way this is not directed at me specifically. <laughs> what uh, what did they expect was going to happen when they let the kid come up with his plan on how to do it? They didn't know. They, yeah. they even asked him about it. And he's like, don't worry, I got it covered. It's like, maybe, maybe we should. All, maybe Jeff shouldn't help with the planning because he can't do it either. They're no, like, this is terrible. Right, we're we're going to defer the planning to Adam. I don't think that's a great idea either. Of of the three options? Oh, yeah, well, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> uh, we do get a wicked car chase. Um, some super fucked up stunts, but it results in them tasering the shit out of Tanaka, which I thought was great. But going back to the stunts, did you catch the parking meter attendant almost being run over twice? No. Oh my God. It had me on the edge of my seat. It really did. Because at one point the limo goes up onto the sidewalk, right? And as it's speeding down the sidewalk, there's a parking meter attendant dealing with her shit. And she sees it coming and jumps over the hood of the car. She's standing next to as the limo flies by, she slides off of the hood of the car on the right side of it into the street where she only get almost gets run over by a police car speeding by. So jumps back onto the hood of the car and they looked like she was within a couple of feet of being hit is probably the most exhilarating part of the movie. That's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Anybody listening, I think you know how we feel about this movie. Um, it's fucking awesome. Uh, the limo flipping on its side and sliding into the car transport and one of them sliding off the top, crushing the side of the limo does not make any sense, but it looks good on film. <laughs> <laughs> now we're worried about making sense. I know I have to drop it, but I can't. <laughs> uh, and after all this, Sandro young, isn't in the car. No, because it was a stupid <laughs> plan. A horrible plan. We've been over this. There's no reason <laughs> to believe he would be there in the first place. <laughs> Tanaka wakes up in the back of a squad car, punches out the metal caging, and this causes the driver to roll the car onto its roof. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but fine. And I have a really weird problem with what happens next. Oh, I can't imagine. The bodyguard kicks the door open, drags the unconscious Adam out of it, takes out his gun, and what happens? Seriously, I don't know what happens. He fires the gun, but he's holding it upside down and backwards, but nobody gets shot. So was he shooting like a handcuff chain or? I don't know, man. You tell me. <laughs> I don't know. I rewatched it a few times. I'm like, it looks like he shot himself in the leg, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I'm like, did he shoot Adam? Because Adam survives with a broken arm and a small bandage on his head. So I, I don't. Oh, fuck, though. Can you imagine if he actually did kill Adam? You imagine Jeff's plan got his brother killed. And he just goes on this amped up, brutal revenge mission. Fuck, give me that movie. Yeah, well, his dad said it was going to be bad for him. In the hospital, Jeff admits to his lie, even stating that he didn't know who Tanaka was until they saw him at the bank. But it was Young's limo, and it was a chance to get Young. If I were Adam, I would probably murder my brother in that hospital. I don't think you could, though. No, probably not. You, you got karate you, dad. 
Yeah, you you got a broken arm, and he might be an idiot, but he knows how to fight. You imagine the doctor walks by and looks in, and Karate Dad's just beating the shit out of this patient in the bed. Yeah, well, that wouldn't be very Karate Dad-like. No, that's true. Wholesome. Yeah. Jimmy spies on Kai and gets info about Young's plan to flee the States via boat, so he and Jeff go scope out the docks. We're really ramping up the end of this movie. Yeah. So we get a weapon prep scene. <sighs> yeah. Okay, That you summed that up perfectly. So it, is this, like, after him, uh, like, after they did the reconnaissance, right? Mm-hmm. So he leaves to go and beat on some couches? Yeah. How much he, time has passed by? He beats the shit out of that couch, though. But why? <laughs> time is to, of the essence. Get we, in there. We, as the audience, have to see what he can do with those collie sticks. And the boat's not coming until night. So Young's not going to be there. Okay. But you don't have to wait long, because we just cut to night at the docks. Sure. And we finally get that uh, pole vaulting scene. <sighs> I told Thank you, God. everything will eventually pay off. <laughs> this is uh, just the first of many. No, it's the first of one. Ah. Um, so basically what we get here is Jeff taking out everybody in the warehouse, who we have no reason to believe are bad people, but just end up being such. Well, they're pretty quick to attack them, so and they got yeah. knives and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it makes they're villains. They're villains. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But he didn't know that going yeah, he in. <laughs> okay. He uh he did very very strict reconnaissance on all of the personnel. <laughs> the uh, guard, the fucking guard, who's on the other side of the fence. He lands after pole vaulting, and he's like, I forget if he's saying I can't believe that still works or hey, it worked or something like that. But the uh, guys. Still works. Still works. But the guy's just staring at him like, what are you doing here? No, he doesn't try to attack him or anything. And Jeff just beats him up. I'm fairly confident that the security on a lot of those uh, warehouse uh, locations is going to be like a third-party security company. He has no idea what's going on. They're just doing their job. Yeah, he's just murdering innocent people now. So in this warehouse action scene, um, are there... Are, any bits, any parts that stand out to you? I have a few. No. Really? None whatsoever. None? You didn't like any of this? I did, but I don't like when you put me on the spot like that. Okay. Well, we've been doing this for over 100 episodes. You should be getting used to this. Now, well, you so, should know what my response is going to be. So you're going <laughs> to have to start prepping for this question. Yeah, I got to carry my weight here. Yeah. Stabbing. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the entire knife fight portion where he like sticks the guy into the uh, like palette of stuff. I want to yeah. say um, that was pretty entertaining. Yeah, stabbing the guy in the leg, fighting somebody else, taking the knife back, using it on someone else, and then stabbing the guy in the same leg. And he's like, "Here, hold this." Yeah, it's great. Uh, pretty much murders everybody with those sticks. Eh? I don't remember seeing them used so prominently in a martial arts movie, at least a Western martial arts movie. Uh, but I did notice one thing on my, my second viewing okay. and that I didn't, I didn't know that they had blades on the end of them. Like I know they do in like ninja movies that I watched, but I didn't notice them in this movie until this scene, but nobody bleeds. 
And those blades are nasty. I didn't notice them on here either. I thought he yeah. was just using blunt sticks. No, they're little tiny hook blades like uh, talons. Well, I know what they're normally like, but I didn't see them in this movie. Yeah, right? They're, I only saw them in that one shot. Uh, I wonder if they so, like, took them off in a lot of shots and just messed up all the editing. <laughs> they messed up a lot in this movie, so I wouldn't be surprised. But at yeah. the same time, you don't need them. So why include them? Especially if, if you're going to put them on there, people are going to have to bleed. Otherwise, there's no point. It's a fucking action movie. A relatively bloodless action movie, now that I think about it. Uh, Young and Kai are alarmed by gunfire, but Young assures Kai they're prepared by showing him a wrist knife? Get a gun, dude. <laughs> um, we also got the throwing knife misdirect, which I thought was really stupid. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, never. Well, there's a guy up in the rafters with an Uzi shooting at Jeff. Jeff's got two knives in his boots. So he's debate. He's like weighing them with his hands, trying to figure out what to do. So he throws one, which goes several feet high and to the right of the gunman. But he's distracted by it and watches it sail over him. And as he's doing that, Jeff throws the other knife and catches him in the chest and kills him. Yeah, it makes sense. It's a waste of a knife. Well, what are you going to do? The guy's got probably a lot more bullets than you have knives. Yeah, but he's he's shooting though. Like he actually has to stop shooting because he's firing wildly without any control whatsoever. And he does that. He does that misdirect after the guy drops the clip out of the gun. So he's not going to be firing anyway. Well, Jeff's not that bright, man. We've already established that. Fair. Um, I just wrote Jeff takes out Kai because it's just another great fight. I don't know what to say about it. What I do have to say about this altercation is when Jeff starts wailing on Young and is choking him out but decides not to kill him, we see Tanaka arriving on the boat from the water. Slowly. Slowly. <laughs> but did you see the shift in expression on Tanaka's face when he noticed what was happening on land? No, I didn't. Oh my god. He goes from his serious like squinty eye like standard I'm Professor Toru look he does in every movie yeah, to this ridiculously comedic wide-eyed eyes bulging out of his head huh? reaction? It is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. I highly recommend you going back just to see that because watching this man do that kind of physical comedy unintentionally is probably my favorite moment of this movie. Oh, um, the, the Tanaka Jeff fight scene is the best of the movie, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh my God. They built it up perfectly. Um, I, I'm not going to say I like this part. I like that part because I liked everything. I highly recommend watching this movie just for this fight scene or, or just look up the fight scene on YouTube. If it's I on. guess. Yeah. That, Maybe yeah, it's not, I don't know. Uh, I, I, Hmm, I'm, I wonder. I wonder if the perfect weapon 1991 is on YouTube. I meant the scene, but yeah. What do you think of the end of the fight? Um, I hate it. It's a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Especially like the I, I I don't know the names of these things, but the weapon that Tanaka is using. Well, it's just a knife on the end of a belt. Don't they have Oh. Yeah, whatever. It's 
It's such a cool weapon. It's such a cool (laughs) fight. And then it just feels like it kind of misses the mark a little bit for the ending. I am not a fan of any fight that ends with the villain blowing up. (laughs) I don't like it. Must have been a grenade. I would have taken that in this. Honestly, I fucking sure. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Jeff turns young into the police and visits master Lowe and Jennifer. No words are exchanged between any of them because they don't fucking talk in this movie. Jennifer closes the doors, fade to black roll credits. That was our last chance for her to do something. She does nothing. I love how, when you cut out all of her parts in the movie, him returning there as the conclusion makes no sense at all. No. Like, the movie's given us no reason, like, okay, yeah, he trained there. But it's really given us no reason to feel connection to that. Well, yeah, I I disagree. You're welcome to, but they really diminish the value of this place. Well, he goes back to see Master Lo because he has now become a dragon. He's no longer a tiger. I don't know if you know what dragons look like. He's not a dragon, dude. I, uh, you motherfucker. <laughs> there is, there is such an attempt at telling a good story in this movie. It's just, they hit the wrong beats at the wrong time. And it, it's just, it's a, a mess. It's a fucking mess. It should have been so much better than it is. It's still entertaining. Don't get me wrong. But like you, you want to deal with a, a fractured relationship between father and son. Don't just say that it's happening. Show us. Show us that you know it's a constant throughout the movie. Don't just reference it. Make it matter. You're gonna put Jeff and Jennifer in this and show that there's some sort of connection there. Well, then show us that there's a connection there. Don't just imply it without us having any reason to believe that that's the case. You want to show Jeff's growth. He gets shittier as the movie goes on. And then at the end, he becomes a dragon. Uh, <laughs> I just like the the fuck you say? Like what 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 are we what are we being shown here? It's like the whole movie is edited out of order and the important scenes were left on the editing room floor. But Sandro, let's get into yes. numbers. Oh, it had numbers? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> not, good, not good ones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, knowing that the big names in this movie aren't really featured prominently outside of, say, James Hong and Kerry Tagawa and uh, Professor Toru, of course. Um, what, what do you think of the budget? What do you think the budget was? You know, I have to imagine even the bigger names in it at this time were not big names. So... One million dollars. Okay, also think of the special effects and how everything explodes in this movie. You might want to bump that up a bit. They didn't even have a dragon in the movie. Um, fine. Uh, Three million dollars. Ten million. No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> it's like, what, what's our expense report? One football helmet. Oh, okay. And this charitable donation to Kenpo Karate Schools across the state. That's where they got their budget. The Kenpo Schools paid them. Please make us an advertisement. Fill our classrooms. 
Got that sweet Hawaiian tropic money. Um, it's gross. <sighs> no, that, that was a, that was a statement, not a question. <laughs> <laughs> How much money did it make? Of uh, one million dollars. Uh, you are right. If you multiply that by fourteen, what? This movie made fourteen million dollars. All right. Well, good for them. It still didn't break even. Now, we've we've shit on this movie. You yeah. more so than me. I wouldn't say so. Okay. Uh, what do you think it got for uh, its IMDb rating? Or what do you think it has for its IMDb rating? I'm going right down the middle of a five. There's going to be people that absolutely love this for its cheesiness, and there's going to be people that absolutely hate it. It's a five nine. Okay, that that tracks. Yeah. Uh, tomato meter? No way the critics like this movie. Um, it might 40. be more than okay, forty-two. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Audience. I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to say 67. 63. Ah, okay. So, yeah, you're pretty close with all of them. I mean, it's exactly that type of movie. It's a popcorn film. Yeah. It's It was trying to be more than it was, and it failed at it, but it still resulted in a run-of-the-mill martial arts action film. I don't I mean, remember seeing any popcorn in this movie. Though there was plenty. You also missed the dragons. I knew it. There was dragons. You lied to me. Awards? Yeah, sure. Who did you have for your least favorite character? Captain Carl Sanders. Huh? Bo Star, Jeff and Adam's dad. Oh, okay. He does not exist for any reason than at the beginning of the movie to push Jeff away. He's in a few scenes to play out the father-son storyline, which they never do. It's probably one of the weakest parts of the movie and I mean like I think Bo Star is an alright actor but he doesn't do anything for this character and this character just doesn't need to be around so get him off the screen yeah okay you? Uh, Jeff speaking oh shit really yeah great martial artist I don't like action movies that make their protagonist this stupid without it being intentional <laughs> Like, this guy is the biggest idiot. <laughs> I, I wish I had something more clever to say about it than that. But every time this guy came up with a plan or made a decision, I was like, just go kick something instead. Yes, okay, perfect. I agree with you completely. Every single reason you stated... Yeah. And I'm going to jump the gun here. Is well, why he's my favorite. favorite. He's yeah. my favorite character. You're very it's predictable. So unintentionally hilarious. He is a fucking idiot. And yeah, when he ever, whenever he tries to do anything good, I too am like, you should probably just go kick something, man. <laughs> You're usually just making it worse. Yeah. yeah. And every, every time you try to help somebody, it, the worst possible scenario is the result. It's fucking hilarious. Is he a good character? Fuck no. He's my favorite. So sorry. No, he's I know not I, a good character. He's, He's a fantastic martial artist. Yeah. But, like, the writing of this movie really should have had maybe make his brother more of a prominent character and be the idea guy. Yeah. Because uh, this is just, this is a whole nother level of bad. Yeah. Um, 
So, so sorry, I know you normally normally uh, would go first there, but I just had to. It was the perfect follow-up for what you were saying. That's okay. You don't need to apologize. Your, uh, your favorite character? Uh, I'm going with uh, Professor Toru Tanaka for just being the perfect, intimidating action movie villain. He's great. That guy is phenomenal. It is sad that we didn't get to see him in more films. Yeah. I mean, you look at that guy's life. He he did everything, man. Like, it just bring up right now quickly on Wikipedia. Charles J. Kalani Jr. was an American professional wrestler, professional boxer, college football player, soldier, actor, and martial artist who, in fighting rings, was also known as Professor Toru Tanaka, or simply Professor Tanaka. That's a full fucking life right there, man. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, that's perfect, perfect choice. I mean, I'm obviously, you know, I already said why I picked uh, Jeff, but if you want to say best character, undeniably, is Tanaka. All right. Uh, what did you have for your favorite or most memorable line? Uh, my most memorable line it might surprise you because it comes from uh, a smaller character in the movie. And the reason why it's memorable to me is because it is so fucking out of place with okay. what? With the entire film. And that's Sam. As Jeff and Jimmy are leaving, he just says, You came to take my life. Now you leave. No, sorry. Now you leave with my blessing and one of my people. Strange deal. Yeah, no, I, I definitely remember that line. It doesn't fit. <laughs> it No, it has no place in this movie. It, it's just, it's so weird. And I don't want that to be the line that I remember from the movie, but it is. Okay. I'm sure you've got a good one though, right? No, by oh, no, no means do I have a good one. It's pretty terrible and that's why it stands out in my mind. <laughs> Uh, it's actually, um, Jimmy when, uh, uh when he's confronted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everyone knows young killed Kim Dick. Slight hesitation. Tracy. Oh, saved it, man. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was almost insulted there, but now, now he's, he's, he's flattered. The so two <laughs> worst lines in the movie <laughs> are done by two different people in the same fucking scene. Yeah. Oh, I don't it, know if it's the worst line, but I just loved it because the whole time I'm like, nailed it. Yeah. It's, I mean, both of them I think are funny for the wrong reasons, but, uh, I don't know about this movie, man. Like the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, I think I fucked up. Hey. Uh, but let's get into memorable scene. Uh, it's easily the scene where uh, Adam is trying to question the guy in the Chinese food restaurant walks out with a bag of food, but only made even better when the guy just finally says at the end, have a nice day. <laughs> you knew it the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought you would have picked the same one as me, but you, you that was a great scene. You're right. Oh, so it was the one time in the movie where I actually laughed out loud for me. It would be 
the Jeff Tanaka fight. Okay. Now, specifically after we've seen Jeff throw every strike he can come up with, and it has no effect on Tanaka, and then Tanaka just takes off his belt. He shows, like, the knife blade on the end, then takes off the belt, and now you've got this giant whip with a blade on the end of it. That always stood out to me as a kid. Like One of I, those few scenarios where you're like, you were somehow more intimidating with your bare hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's crazy. Um, and, and I'm glad. I'm glad that, oh my God, what are we now? 32 years later? This still holds up for me. No? Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we've done awards. We, we've had some disagreements. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know what your final thoughts are and uh, if you would recommend it. Yeah, sure. I would absolutely recommend this movie. <laughs> uh, it is just so stupid that you can potentially have a lot of fun with it as long as you don't try to put it under a microscope. Because this movie really suffers from any sort of analysis or intelligent viewing. <laughs> What are you laughing at? It just it tries so hard and fucking fails every attempt, but it's still entertaining. But Sorry. it gets points for effort, I guess. And this this movie should not have been picked for this show. <laughs> this is the kind of movie that you and I should have just gotten together and watched one time just to have like a bit of a ridiculous chuckle at it. Yeah, And I honestly think that there is something really, really fun that can be garnered out of this. But you got to know that that's exactly what you're getting because this is not a good movie. It's, it's a good display of martial arts with everything that constitutes a movie around it done as poorly as possible. Yeah. And yet I still say it's a recommend. It's hard not to recommend this movie. It, it, there's something so charming about its failure. Oh, it, it fails so bad. But you want to root for it, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, on, like, you can do it. You can just do something smart. Come on. Yeah. Well, I, come on. Tagawa, Tanaka, Hong, Mako. Like, we love these guys. Yeah. You which want makes to you think. Look at the cast you just named. This should yeah. be a much better movie than it is. Yeah, but if it were a more competent film, I feel like it would have get would have gotten lost in like the the oversaturation of early '90s martial arts action films. This is such a a goofy result of a lot of hard work, undeniably. But it, I think that makes it stand out a bit, and it makes it a lot of fun. And you have to be able to laugh at it because if you try and take this movie seriously, there's something wrong with you. Like yeah. there, there's, it's it. This movie is an unintentional comedy. That's yeah, the only way. Except for the way. fact that like nobody's ever heard of it. So how much did that really help it? It is a cult classic. I will say that uh, it definitely has not had a resurgence like most did. Well, it did, just not to the same extent. Uh, I, I do hope that more people will search out the film and just have fun with it. But Exactly what you said. You can't take this movie seriously. You can't examine it. Just throw it on, turn your brain off, and get ready to laugh at some 
horrible acting, and be impressed with some amazing martial arts fights. <laughs> so, uh, like you, I would definitely recommend this movie, but you have to be ready for it. You can't, you can't sit down and be like, "I need, I need a very interesting thought piece right now." Yeah, no, with some action scenes. I wish that's I knew not going to happen. I wish I knew what I was getting into when I started this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have warned you, but it had been a long time. It had been a long time since I've seen right. it. The movie definitely tells you pretty early on what <laughs> what happens. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't all know right. if next week's movie's gonna be any better. I'm sorry. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was our thoughts on the perfect weapon. If you'd like to share your thoughts, hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BS Bargain Facebook.com slash BS Bargain BSBargainbin.com. You can also check out our merch. There's a tab at the top of our website. I don't want to get to the next question. <laughs> yeah, you do. You already set it up so poorly. Um, ben. Yeah. What are we watching next week? Uh, next week, we're going to get into um, sci-fi horror comedy territory. Are and, we? Uh, yeah, it's uh, 1984's Night of the Comet. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. Ah! What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up in! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... You will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the comet. The garden of civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it? Until next week, have a good one. All the best.